It's good to see everyone here this morning, and uh, we've got a little bit lower number this morning, but uh, still got a, a good number, and uh, we've got people traveling and a few people out sick, and uh, so it's, uh, it's a blessing to see everyone here. Uh, today's lesson actually comes from a, a two questions, one question I asked and one question someone asked me. And um, so the one question that someone asked me was, uh, why do I attend and worship God in the Church of Christ? And that's, that's been a question that I've been answering. And the second question that I asked to someone was, uh, why do we not celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday in the Church of Christ? And, um, and that's not, this is not going to be the lesson this morning, but, uh, the person I asked that question to says, I don't know. And then they gave that thought look that, you know, I'm thinking and they said, well, we don't read that in the new Testament anywhere. And I said, that's your answer. That's the reason we don't do it is we don't read it anywhere. We do read where. As Trey stated, that we just observe the Lord's Supper. We read that. We read where first century Christians prayed to God together. And we read of where saints uh, on the first day of the week gave a contribution. And so the point of today's lesson is, is there's one other area that we did this morning and, and there's controversy around that area in our religious world today. And it has the same answer, basically, as the one about Christmas. But I'm going to present that in a little bit different way. And it's, it's why do we sing and why do we not use instrumental music's, music to worship God? And so I'm going to try to answer that question, but I'm not going to answer it in a way I'm not sure if everybody's heard before this morning. And, um, and so I hope you will grab hold, think about what I'm going to say, and audit what I'm going to say, and see if it makes sense. Because the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And we read that in Matthew 5.17. Matthew 5.17. If you go and look at that. Do not think. Christ said on the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. So that, that's kind of a puzzling type comment. Because all... New Testament Christians would say that the old law was abolished. We no longer live under the old law. But then we have Christ sitting here saying, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. Now, part of that fulfillment, we know that the old law was projecting that Christ would come. But he's also projecting something else. And at the key passage for this morning lesson is found in John, the fourth chapter. Is found in John, the fourth chapter. 
And this is where Christ is having a conversation with the Samaritan woman um, at the well. And this conversation is very key uh, to us today as Christians in how we look at the New Testament and how we look at the Old Testament. So John 4, verse 19, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, I want to point out something that I believe, verse 22 there, is God is correcting her misstatement that we worship here on this mountain, which the northern kingdom worshiped in a place. And and he's saying, yeah, you worship here, but you're doing it wrong. You're doing it ignorantly. You're supposed to be worshiping in Jerusalem. And and that you can go back to... um, in the Old Testament, kind of understand that. But it, it, notice that God still cracks her there in what I think. But notice he said, The hour is coming where you will neither worship in Jerusalem or worship the Father, uh, where you will worship the Father. And so notice that Christ just made an important statement here. Jerusalem is the epicenter of worship for the Jewish people of God. They were commanded. They were supposed to go there. The temple had certain metrics that it was supposed to be built to. Everything revolved around Jerusalem for the Jewish religion. And Christ just said, we're not, you're not going to be worshiping there. But notice what he said and notice the but In verse 23, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to to be be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then you can read on down if you want to. I want you to contemplate, I want you to contemplate what he just said. We're to worship in spirit and truth. And this is a very different dynamic because he, he contrasts this with Jerusalem's going away, the temple's going away, and you're going to worship in spirit and truth. Now think about that as Christ is not coming to do away with the old law, but to fulfill the old law. I hope you're a little bit confused. I hope you're questioning things. This is, a, this is a lesson on instrumental music. Let me remind you what it's about. But it's a very different approach because I think this, is, this explains some things. I, I hope it will explain some things. So we see Christ fulfilling the old law. So here's some interesting things that I want you to really take note that's in the New Testament that is, is, uh, 
whenever you get into typology and, and everything that, you know, that Jonathan led us through, but how the Old Testament set up for things in the New Testament, but the New Testament was spiritual. And that's what we see. So go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has, called, who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now I want you to note something here. We are told that we are a chosen race. Who was the chosen race? It was the Jews. But Christians are the chosen race now. We are a royal priesthood. Christians are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We're God's own people. Now how, since I don't know everybody, I mean, I, I think I know everybody here, but I'm assuming everybody's a Gentile here. None of us can raise our hand and say, I am a Jew by birth. I'm not, but I am in a spiritual sense. I am God's chosen people because I've obeyed God. I have been baptized for the mission of my sins. I have been added to God's church. I hope I'm living faithfully. So notice that here, this matches what Christ said in John 4. Those who worship me will worship me in spirit and truth. Go to 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16 it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Where did the Spirit, where was God's dwelling place? It was in the tabernacle, it was a temple. In the New Testament, I'm now told God dwells in me. I'm the temple. Is there a temple? Is there a Jewish temple today? The answer is no. That's why we fight over in the Middle East. Because there's a mosque built on the temple site. Okay? There's a mosque built there. We don't need a temple today. Because Christians, we are to worship in spirit and truth. And we are the temple. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. It emphasizes this even more with immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 17 through 20. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but immoral sin man commits against his own body. And the man here is, is, is speaking of both male and female. Verse 19, or do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Same aspects that we just talked about in 1 Corinthians 3. We are the temple of God. There is no longer a temple. We have fulfilled the old law. God dwells in us. 
Philippians 3, 3. Philippians 3, 3. says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in spirit of God and the glory of Christ. Jesus put no confidence in the flesh. Now, we can spend hours on this because Paul spent lots of time on this in his letters and throughout because the Jewish Christians wanted the... The Jewish Christians, I did say that correctly. The Jewish Christians in Acts 15, wanted the Gentile Christians to be circumcised. Because that's what you, that was the covenant that God gave Abraham. All Jews were circumcised. And so to be saved. And we see in Acts 15, we read that that, that was no longer the case. That the Christian church said, no, you don't have to be circumcised. It's circumcision of the heart. It's circumcision of the heart. It's not a physical circumcision. So do you see how we're moving from physical things to spiritual things? We're moving everything from the Old Testament is moving to these spiritual things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, chapter, Romans 12, verse 1. And it says there, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service to worship. So we are the spiritual sacrifice. We are no longer, there's no longer animal sacrifices It's us offering ourselves to God. Now, this is a pet peeve of mine. I want so this this is so Sanders says I chase too many rabbits. I'm acknowledging I'm chasing a rabbit here. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Too much in our society today. I just want to let you know, we are asking God to come to us. We are not presenting ourselves to God. I hope you think about that statement. That's a side note. That You can think about that a couple days later. But make sure we're coming and presenting on God's spiritual altar, not that we're offering God on our altar. So if you notice through these first things, the the, the first four verses here, the first uh, passages that I looked at, is that we become the temple. We're the true circumcision. We're that living and holy sacrifice to God. We're that chosen race. We're that priesthood. Do you see how all of this has moved from the physical to the spiritual? Does everybody see that? It's it's very obvious, the tone in the New Testament. I I think I know most people here. I don't think anybody's been to Jerusalem to worship lately. We haven't been there to do Passover. Now, I have a goal in my life. That's one of my bucket list things. I want to go, and I want to go, you know, kind of see the... Probably not as much in Jerusalem. I just want to see the lay of the land. 
kind of the, the way I want, the topography of the land. But the whole point is, we're not going over there to worship. We read how the first century Christians, uh, we see how Christ did it before his death, how he, he obeyed the Jewish law. And so, the point is, we're no longer in that physical relationship. Now, let's turn to Ephesians 5, verse 19. And this is the passage we go, that we talk about, is, is wow, this is, this is a passage here that, that, that says, let's just read it. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, most people will pick up some around the Psalms and some definitions there, but notice it says singing and making melody in the heart. And they really pick up on the melody and say, well, that's instrumental music. But do you notice the four other examples I gave you, how we move from a physical to a spiritual? Do you see how Paul here is writing that it's that same tone. It's the same tone of spirit from physical to spiritual and making melody in our heart to the Lord. It's about what's in me that's important. It's about when I'm singing that song. It's when I'm trying to worship God. It's what's in my heart that's important. That's that is the tone that you see all the way through the New Testament that we're making this transition. And that's why John 4 is so important. That's why Matthew 5 is so important, the passage that we read there. He's coming to fulfill. He's not coming back to reestablish the old law. He's fulfilling it. He's moving it into a spiritual realm. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. And so... So people read this passage and they say, well, the Old Testament has musical instruments in it. And so if you, if you want to, I mean, before we go to the Old Testament, let me, let me bring out one more verse. Colossians 3.16 is the other verse that, that you, you see where we're commanded. And it says, let the word of Christ uh, richly dwell within you. And all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So so this passage people don't use to go to talk about musical instruments. But because it says singing, uh, they do use the definition of psalms uh, there, but I think there's there's some... discussions there we need to have as far as definitions in, in different places. But my point is, is you still see our worship is not about physical things. Now, I want to go, because the argument gets made vehemently today that God wanted Musical and well, there was musical instruments in the Old Testament, and there was there was a temple in the Old Testament. There was sacrifices. There was circumcision. We don't do any of those today because we move all of those to spiritual 
attributes. And so what I want to do is I want to look at two passages, and, and, and there's a lot we can look here at in the Old Testament, and I'm not going to go through all of those. And, and before, I reckon before we go back, let me, let me first make a comment. If you go to Hebrews 9, verse 1, Hebrews 9, verse 1, and this, this kind of summarizes a lot of the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the, the Mosaical law. I don't want to step into Ab- um, in Genesis. Um, Mosaical law, Hebrews 9, verse 1. Now even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and the earthly sanctuary and the earthly sanctuary. Sanctuary. Hebrews is all about making the argument that Christ is the superior priest and everything to the Old Testament. Everything in Hebrews is talking about Christ is superior uh, and and that, that that's who our high priest is. And, and that's what he's saying. There, there was divine regulations back then. And so let's go look at... At, at least two examples of these divine regulations, and let's see if if people are meeting this that use instruments. Go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty nine. Second Chronicles twenty nine, verse twenty five through thirty. So this is this is Hezekiah. This is Hezekiah reestablishing worship. Now remember, um, we have David, and then we have a list of a lot of uh, several good kings, several bad kings in, in the tribe of Judah, because after Solomon, the kingdom split. And so we have several hundred years here of where Judah was coming in and out of worshiping God correctly and serving God correctly. And in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 25, let's read this together. And I want you to note, whenever you think about divine divine regulations and divine worship. So this is Hezekiah, and they're reestablishing worship. And notice what it says in verse 25, 2 Chronicles 29. He then stationed the Levites, Levites, in the house of the Lord... In the temple, with cymbals, harps, and lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad the king seer and of Nathan the prophet. Okay, we just established he put them in the house of the Lord in the temple. He gave three instruments that he put them there with. And it's because of what David, Gad, and Nathan the prophet told him to do. Okay? So there's their authority. The Levites stood with the musical instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Okay? So Levites, there is a specific person that's supposed to be doing this. Trumpets. Verse 27, Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. All right. 
offer the offering. And when the burnt offering began, in verse 27, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. So when did the instrument start? It's when the offering started. Do you see that? While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang, and the trumpets sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. So how long did the, the music play? While the burnt offering was occurring. How long did they sing? As long as the burnt offering was, was happening. Now the completion of the burnt offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worshipped. So, so do you see the physical things that's going on here, the outward part of worship? And remember, these are regulations. Remember that Hezekiah is reestablishing these. So the other place that you have this occurring, and this is a reestablishment, is in Ezra, now, and, and by the way, there's a lot of other passages that I can go to. There's some in Nehemiah, there's others uh, also in Christ. I'm not covering all that for the sake of time. Get with me if you want to sit down and look at this. Ezra 3.10, now when the, Ezra 3.10, now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood up in their apparel. Notice they have their apparel. Remember, priests had their garments. We didn't read that in Hezekiah, but that would have been, they would not have went into the temple without their garments. With their apparel, the Levites and the son of Asaph assembles and to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. He references back, he references back just as Hezekiah referenced back, this is according to God's word. Here's my point. This is the summary of the lesson. We read that Christ came to fulfill the law. We read that we are going to worship in spirit and truth. We read that we are the true circumcision, the circumcision of the heart. We read where we are the temple of God. We read where we are the holy sacrifice. We bring our bodies as a holy sacrifice. We are the royal priesthood. Would it be logical that we are instruments of worship to God also? We are the instruments of worship to God? So let's go back and read Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody of your, with your heart to the Lord. That sounds a lot like to me what Christ said to the Samaritan woman at the well. We will worship in spirit and in truth. 
They will not worship in Jerusalem any longer. There will not be this physical worship. Now, is singing physically? Yes, it is. But we see we have a command. Now, real quick, I just want to run through, and I'm going to rapid fire this just so we can... 1 Corinthians 14, 15. If you're writing things down, write this down because I'm going to read these real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. This is New Testament teaching. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Does that sound like making melody in your heart? Acts 16, 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas was praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, this is not in a worship setting, best I can tell. Now, I've read this passage my whole entire life, and I think on mine and Sandra's vacation, I think I had an epiphany. I think it was on our vacation I had the epiphany here. It's because my knee was hurting. These folks were singing because they couldn't sleep. They had been beaten. Notice the attitude these folks have that they're praising God. They can't sleep because they're sitting there hurting. That's, that, so I, that's Clay's opinion. But the point is, is they're singing praises to God. You reckon they're worshiping in spirit and truth? Just a thought. James 5 verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Hebrews 2.12, Hebrews 2.12, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Hebrews 13.15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Do you see how he's using the analogies from the Old Testament, the sacrifice? But we've already read in Romans that, Our holy sacrifice. Sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And lastly, Matthew 26, verse 30. This is whenever they're on Mount Olive. And and after singing a hymn, they went went out to the Mount of Olives. And this is Christ's crucifixion. And those, those are passages that you see in New Testament times where um, you see singing occurring. I started this lesson off with two questions. Why, why do I attend church and why do I worship the way I worship? It's because the sanctity of the scriptures and the silence of the scriptures are important. And if we don't read that occurring, then we don't need to do that. Let me go back and chase one rabbit. I, I, I meant to, it's not really a rabbit. Uh, this is a very much longer conversation um, some people will go to Revelations and uh, say, well, there's instruments in heaven. God likes instruments. Uh, that'll be a conversation I would love to have with you. Uh, we can talk about that. Uh, there's also sacrifices. There's a temple in all of that, too. And we also know we have very distinct verses where all of that's gone now. And, and we have very distinct where the uh, temple is no longer there in Jerusalem. So... Uh, make sure if, if, if you hear that, I'll be more than happy to sit down and, and, and do that. There's a lot more conversation on that. 
it's not hard to disprove. It's not hard. I mean, it's it's very actually it's actually easier than everything else. Um, the point is, I worship where I worship because we honor the silence of the scriptures. And all we see New Testament Christians do is sing. Now, I'm not going to offer this as proof text. But I'm also, but I'm going to tell you this just to broaden your knowledge if you don't have this knowledge. There's there's a lot of other Christian, I'm going to put quotes around that, people that don't allow musical instruments in their worship because of what we say here. Um, musical instruments was not brought into the Protestant religion until a couple hundred years ago. Several hundred years ago. That was not heard of prior to that. First century uh, Christians would not allow musical instruments into worship. You can go to commentators in the second and third century and read what their thoughts were on musical instruments. It would not be allowed into worship because it would have been uh, something associated with idols. Thirdly, Jewish tradition, synagogues, even of today, not all synagogues of today, will not allow musical instruments because musical instruments are associated only with temple worship, not with synagogue worship. So they even acknowledge that there's a difference. So whenever you hear and you think about some of the things that people will say today, I encourage you to think about what Christ came to fulfill. And think about we worship in spirit and truth. I do not know of any Christian religion that condemns singing. I do not know that. Now, you might express, you might come and tell me that. I might learn something new. It will not be uh, new for me to learn something new. But folks, whenever we worship God, let's worship God in spirit and truth. Let's worship God the way we can best tell He wants to be worshipped. Because we want to serve our Master. He is our God. And it's not us. It's not what feels good to you and I. It's what we are here to offer worship to God. So here at the end, we always offer an invitation. But as we sing this song, let's sing it from the heart. And let's worship God in spirit and truth as we come and stand and sing.